Thanks. You may be seated. And uh, I say roast them. Uh, uh, I remember when I was in Bible college, we felt we were going to the best Bible college in America. In fact, for that matter, for the world. And when we went to, went to uh, the college we went to, of course, back in the 70s, and uh, it was a great college. Of course, we had laborers all over the world that were sent out. Of course, Scott Childs was one of those. And uh, we were all over the world as missionaries and pastors, of course. And, and now Justin and Daniel are at a great college. They could be, they, they might be a little prejudiced. They may think it's the best college in America. And it, may, it, might, it might be, I'll say it that way. And it's a great, great school, of course. And we were just talking, we got to go on visitation a little bit today. And uh, just talking about the, 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 the fun and enjoyment of going to a good, godly college, of course. And so uh, looking forward to seeing what God has for Daniel or Justin in the future. Well, Daniel, too, for that matter. But Justin especially. And uh, looking forward to hearing him tonight. And we'll hear him a couple more times, I'm sure, before he goes back in January. Good to have you, Justin. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you, Pastor. Well, if you could turn your Bibles to Isaiah 26. That's Isaiah 26. We're going to start uh, right off the bat here. Um, I have a lot of notes on this message. I don't know how long it's going to take, um, but I really I'll, I will try to be conscious of the time and uh, get done a good time for you guys. But yeah, that's Isaiah 26. It would uh, be an understatement to say that we are living in uncertain times. And I loved um, how Pastor was speaking uh, last Sunday night about you know the uncertainty about the future and that we need to. Uh, prepare for the future in that sense. Really, and we know the only way to get through really any trial or any difficulty is with God. You know, I, I think that's a given. Um, so we have to trust him. But sometimes we, under, we misunderstand what trusting in him actually is. We, sometimes we interpret, uh, it's interpreted as convincing ourselves that God will Make it good. You know, we come sometimes have that view. But let's read in Isaiah 26 and verse number 3. And just one verse tonight for our key verse. Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. See, this is saying, for those who have their minds stayed on God, God will keep him in perfect peace because he is trusting in God. You know, just switching up those phrases there. It's also saying those who have their minds stayed on God are also trusting in God. To trust God requires keeping our minds stayed on him. And the fruit that comes out in our life is peace from God. I believe to truly understand trust, to, in trusting God, we also need to understand peace. And that's why I titled this message tonight, Perfect Peace. I, we prayed, but let's uh, pray again as we, uh, as we go into this message. Lord, I thank you for the opportunity I have to share your word with these people, Lord. I pray that the burden I have on this subject, Lord, that you've taught me these, these few months, Lord, I pray that they'll be able to share the burden with me, Lord. I pray as I preach, Lord, the words I, I use, the words, the words you give me, the things I've written down, God, that it'll, it'll come out. The, the way that I really, truly feel about this subject of peace, Lord. And Lord, it's not, not a prideful aspect to say, to say this, Lord. You've taught me this, Lord. You've taught me through your word and what you've allowed me to go through, Lord. I pray that this message tonight will be a blessing to these people, but also will be an encouragement, an exhortation, 
to pursue you and honor you with everything that they have. Lord, please watch the message tonight. Watch my speech. Let it be just clear and open up everyone's hearts here. We love you, God. In your holy and precious name we pray. Amen. So think about this. So we have this subject, peace. And I want you to imagine peace for a second. You can close your eyes if you want to or use your imagination, whatever. What do you imagine as peace? You know, maybe you're on a quiet beach with, you know, the waves rolling up the tide, maybe a cool breeze with that as well. Or maybe in a quiet log cabin, you know, out, it's all there wintry and you're in by a warm fire and everything like that. Peaceful. And we have this Hebrew word peace, uh, is shalom. And to generalize its meaning, it means to be safe, to be well, to be happy, to be favored. And I think to understand this, we should contrast it with, well, what's the opposite of peace? Well, we think chaos. When, in, you know, we think of these different situations of chaos. When, say, for example, a business loses its business leader, there's chaos. When we have a car that has a broken part, missing part, there is this chaos. When you put a fox in a chicken coop, there's chaos. When some kind of system is not the way it is supposed to be, there's chaos. But when all the parts are working together as they're supposed to, there is peace. Peace, and this is my own definition, take as you will, a state of being where everything is going the way it is supposed to be. There's no need to make any changes. Everything's all good. You know, when, you know, when Jesus calmed down the water in Mark 4.39, and he arose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. We have this almost like a relaxation. And in terms of thinking about the, about the system that I'm talking about, how do you look at this system? And when I say a system, I mean like really God's design for things, for everything in the world to work together in harmony. When you look at this system, how do you see all the parts around you? Specifically, what kind of part do you see yourself as? If you see yourself as the center of the system, to look for peace, you'll rearrange all the other parts around you so that you can satisfy your needs and your wants. Maybe taking a shortcut at work or putting down others that offend you or lying to a family member, putting yourself over everything else. But that wouldn't be placing them or yourself where they were designed to be. We were designed since Adam and Eve to depend on God for our comfort, for our joy, happiness, love, But when we let those other things be the source of our contentment, this system falls apart. Worldly things cannot fill in the gap that God is supposed to fill. We we have this desire of perhaps getting possessions or, or maybe just looking good in front of other people or whatever it takes to make you feel good. These are all temporary. And the worst part of all is that these temporary things give a temporary satisfaction, which makes you feel like you are at peace. But I have to clarify, peace is not a feeling. It's a spiritual state of being. It goes, it goes deeper than just feeling. See, when I, when I try and define what feelings are, well, to see at least what the purpose of feelings are, are they feelings, they feel the inside. As, say, for example, your eyes would detect what is around you, and because of your eyes you can see what's around you, your feelings detect what is going on the inside. 
But worldly things give an internal illusion. These things that give you a satisfaction will make you think you are at peace until it fades away. Then you are back to searching. I can clarify this with the, the two great powers of sleep and coffee. <laughs> See, at, you know, at college, you know, despite me, I'll tell you, this last semester was crazy. But, you know, at college, you know, I don't, I don't get a lot of opportunity to sleep, you know, to just, you know, tuck myself in bed, you know, schoolwork, just everything else going on. And But how, how coffee does help me get up. It, you know, it stimulates my brain. But if I, if I just decide to not sleep and just drink coffee, like, oh, I'm going to use my time, for, I'm just going to drink coffee all day. Maybe it'll work for a little while, but it would eventually become apparent that I need some sleep. Coffee doesn't actually give me rest. The, the worldly things, sinful or unsinful, don't actually give you peace. As a result, we keep looking to those same things, but we're never truly and fully satisfied. James 4, 1 says, From whence come wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence, even of your lusts that war in your members? Ye lust and have not. Ye kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. You fight in war, yet ye have not, because ye ask not. Ye ask and receive not, because ye ask amiss. They may consume it upon your lusts. If we're after the things of the world and we're trying to grab those things that don't actually satisfy us, but we think they're satisfying us, we're going to end up in this horrible cycle. Sin works the same way as drugs, alcohol. You, you think you're being satisfied. You think you are, everything's going well, but in the end, the, sin, the wages of sin is death. If you think your peace will come from pleasing yourself, you'll never find it. But I tell you what you will find. You'll find fear. Matthew 6.25 says, Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life. What shall ye eat or what ye shall drink? Nor yet for your body what ye shall put on. Is not the life more than meat and the body than raiment? See, the first part talks about not worrying. And then the second part of the verse talks about having a better perspective. And I, first looking at this verse, I wasn't sure of the connection between having a great focus and concerned about our worry. But our focus will affect what we're concerned about. As soon as we try to mess with God's system, we are taking responsibility about how it runs. We're telling God, oh, I know what is better than you do. And shame to us when we do. When we take the steering wheel from Jesus, all of a sudden we have to be concerned about not crashing the car. When you don't do it God's way, it's up to you. And see, our instinct is be, to be the victim when we become worried, but worry is a sin, and it is, is a result of not trusting God. 1 Peter 5, 6-8 says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, casting, oh, sorry, mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all you care upon him, for he careth for you. Be sober, and being fearful is not sober. Be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. Satan is going to use your worry to take you down. And again, if you're concerned about the things of the world, if you're just worried about what the world can do for you, you're going to end up falling into that worry because you now it's your responsibility to sustain your life, to have it your way. And then you're worried, and now you have to be concerned, and then Satan's going to use that to tempt you 
away from what God wants you to do. When we worry about ourselves, we won't be a blessing to someone else. When we worry about our finances, we won't give to God. When we worry about ties with other people, we won't keep our tie with God. When we worry about our status, we won't humble ourselves. We cannot please God when our worries, when our master is the world. When you're living the way you want to, you are in a state of searching and fear. A state of chaos. And you think, well, Justin, you know, you know, peace isn't a feeling and, you know, the searching. How do, I, how do I discern if I have this peace? Well, I believe the greatest indication of peace in your heart is thankfulness. Are you thankful for what God has given you? And I'm not asking what you should be thankful for because I think we can all list some things that, we can all list some things that are good. Oh, like, oh, yeah, church is good. The Bible's good. My family is good. My brother or my sister is good. My, we can just list these things. Oh, our country's good. We can say these things are good, but do we actually appreciate those things? Do we have a sincere appreciation for those things? Or is that just the list that we put a sticker on, label, oh, that's good? See, real thankfulness, I believe, is a combination of two things. It is humble, yet optimistic. Real thankfulness recognizes the gift and recognizes that you don't deserve it. But if we're busy trying to live for ourselves and trying to earn our blessings from God, we won't be thankful for his goodness. Your attitude is a reflection of your walk with God. And thankfulness is the greatest attitude. Psalm 28, 7 says, The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusted in him, and I am helped. Therefore, my heart greatly rejoiceth, and with my song will I praise him. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says, And everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. If you want to have peace in your life, it's Isaiah 26.3. Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. We need to trust God by setting our minds on him. Let's turn to Philippians 4. Amazing passage. I love Philippians. Philippians 4. We're doing good on time. Philippians 4. And talking about this, trusting God by setting our minds on him, our minds on him there's, two, there's two aspects to this. There is first a dependence. And if we can start reading at verse 6. Uh, Philippians 4, verse 6. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ. See, when our fellowship was with God rather than the world, we won't get tricked thinking that we are in peace. Our peace will be genuine. Let God be the one you go for, for joy, love, when you're sad, lonely, angry, Psalm 37, 4 says, Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. And that's not an object of your desire. That's your actual desires. If you delight yourself, if you fellowship with God, he's going to change your desires. The more you abide in God and away from the world, the more you'll want the things of God, and the less you'll be chasing self in the world. 
But how many times do we take out our anger on another person? Instead, pray God will either fix you or the situation. Or how many times do we find entertainment when we become discouraged? Instead trying to, of trying to forget, read about God's promises. And, but so many times we pat ourselves on the back when we do good. But instead, praise God in prayer and testify to others about God's grace for you to do so. So we have this dependence. This also means a perseverance. Let's continue on this Philippians 4 and now in verse 8. Philippians 4 verse 8. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, guys, listen to these, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, and if there be any praise, think on these things. And those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me, do. And the God of peace shall be with you. By God's design, we were meant to serve him. We're meant to have our minds fixed on him and on with those things that we have our minds fixed on to do those things for the honor and glory of God. Let's go now to 2 Corinthians. Go a few pages back, you'll find yourself in 2 Corinthians verse or sorry, chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Guys, this whole chapter, I'm going to read portions of this, but this whole chapter is just really amazing. I encourage you guys just to read this through. But we're going to do 2 Corinthians and 4, and let's start at verse 7. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, our bodies, that the excellency of power may, not, may be of God and not of us. We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might, Jesus might be manifest in our body. And we can go down to uh, verse 15 here. For all things are for your sakes, that the abundant grace might, through the thanksgiving of many, redound to the glory of God. For which cause, the cause of giving glory to God, we faint not. But though our outward man perish, yet the inward man, this peace inside of you, is renewed day by day. For our light affliction is yet but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look not at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. And that's how you can be at peace. You know, like, man, look at these verses again in verse, verse 9. You're persecuted, but not forsaken. If you're concentrated on being persecuted and the fact that you're not forsaken, you're not going to be concentrating on God. Cast down, but not destroyed always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus. Your body is a vessel. Your body is, your, the world around you is temporary. It doesn't matter. The only thing that matters in this world is how you can be used by God. And we're, in our sin, our sin has just blinded us so much that we think that if we just do if we just satisfy ourselves with the things of the world, that we're, we're going to find happiness. We're made from Adam and Eve to serve God, and to fellowship with God. That's what we're designed to do. That's when, that's when we get placed in the proper spot in our system, in God's system. All the parts are working together and everything is good. 
Everything is where it's supposed to be. What you'll be striving for as this world and country fall deeper into sin will determine how God will use you during this time. See, you can't just flip on a switch and have your affection set towards Jesus Christ. You need to take the motivation to serve God and set it as the foundation for everything that you do. 1 Corinthians 10.31 says, Whether therefore ye eat or drink, or whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God. And think, let's think about these two ideas. Now in Colossians 3, you don't have to turn there, I'll read it. Colossians 3, verse 15 through 17. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also ye are called in one body, and be ye thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. That's where we find our peace, guys. When we're serving God, when we're honoring God, that's where we get our peace. If we want this peace, we need to trust God. And trusting God necessitates depending on him and us persevering for him. What this all comes down to is letting God change you. Isaiah 26.3. See, I was using my mom's van the other day. Yes, I was using my mom's van. I don't have my own, I don't have my own vehicle, okay? But I found this weird thing on her keychain. I mean, this, it looks like a key, but... What in the world kind of keyhole does this go into? She told me it's just used for something else. I was like, oh, okay, whatever. But I mean, I'll still use it as a key illustration. I noticed how peculiar this key was. The, this aspect about the key stands out because whenever I see a key, I think about where the key belongs. You know, the key has a purpose, right? God's love is the key to our real peace and joy. But he can't unlock our hearts to change us if we refuse to change our keyhole. See, we expect God to change his key so that he can fit it into our keyhole. Oh God, if you can just do this thing in my life. Oh God, if you can just bring this thing to pass. Oh God, if you can, I mean, if you could just give me all these things. We, we pray to God, but are we seeking God himself? But if we're continuing to chase after the things of the world and letting them worry us, God won't be able to unlock our hearts. I mean, he can jam the key in there, but it'd do no good. It is not our right to have God change us. It is our privilege. And excuse the phrase, but you're not in the position to call the shots. God calls his shots on his love for you. And by his mercy and grace, are you allowed to have a fellowship and friendship and just being, in, being with him? God, so many times, you, know, you think of how many countries God has let them just dwell in their sin. We just, we just deserve to see our, our, our punishment for sin is many times more sin. That's how, that's how the world works. The sin leads you to more sin, and just that sin brings you to death. But have you, have you ever just got tired of just serving self and looking after the world? 
God, see, God has just let countries just dwell in their sins. That's what they deserve. They deserve to be, to stay addicted to their sin because that's what they, they've fallen into it. But God in his grace and mercy has allowed us to get out of that with salvation. And guys, think about, think about the world's situation. Think about those who are unsaved. They don't have a, a Jesus Christ to come to. They're, they're so confused right now. What's going to happen? What's going to happen to our country? But we have Jesus Christ. For one, we should be grateful. I mean, not just labeling it as a good thing. We should be thankful for our relationship with God. And we should, if we were truly thankful, that would lead us to bring the gospel to other people. What do you think about when you see the world? When you see people who are dying and going to hell and drowning in their sin, what do you think about? Do you just think about, oh man, I got to just do this next thing. I got to do this next thing. I mean, I'm preaching to myself too. I'm a sinner. I'm super selfish. There is something in your life right now that God wants to change. Justin, how do you know that? Well, I mean, you're a sinner. And see, it just takes a step of faith for God to change your life. God's telling you to do something. God says, hey, I want you to, I want you to do this. And you're like, well, man, I don't know. I mean, I'm not sure about what, what's going to happen. See, I like to think about law as a bridge. You know, you have a bridge in front of you. You don't know whether the bridge is going to hold you up or not. You have just a bridge laid out in front of you. You build trust onto the bridge by taking that step on the bridge. I mean, you're not just tapping. You're not just tapping on the bridge. You're, there has to be a point where you actually put your whole weight on the bridge. When Peter approached Jesus to walk on the water, he had to let go of the boat to literally walk to Jesus. Some of you guys, the Spirit's prompting you to do something. Hey, I want, to get, I want you to get rid of this thing in your life. Hey, I want you to witness to this person. Hey, I want you to love your, I want you to love your family. God, I want you to do these things. But we're, we're holding on to it because we think it's just going to give us peace and happiness and joy. But it won't. You have to let go. You have to let God support you. How else are you going to see God work in your life? How else are you going to see God's blessings if, if all you're depending on is the world? You can't see it. But when you step out of faith and you're unsure what's going to happen, and then you see God work in a miraculous way, God is good. God is good. That's what you're going to be able to say in your heart. Not just in your mind, not just when you read in the Bible. You're going to know in your life. Hey, I've, I've done this thing before. This has happened. And when I did it, God gave me a blessing. And how amazing and miraculous was it when God gave me that blessing? Don't you want that in your life? If you want it in your life, stop holding on to those things that you just so desperately want. And let God be the one that changes your heart. Many of you guys know, about nine months ago, I, you know, I broke up, broke up with my uh, fiance. You know, I'm sure many of you are aware of that. You know, and it was it was all something that the spirit prompted. It wasn't no no one was no one was there to just tell me, hey Justin, you know, 
that relationship's looking wrong, whatever, and, you know, Justin, you know, she's not ministry-minded, you know, everything like that. I mean, honestly, you know, I say, you know, she's a great person. She is. But God, the Spirit was prompting my heart. Justin, this relationship needs, needs to be over. You, get, you guys are, I am calling to you to a different place than you are. And Justin, there just, there just needs to be this divide. If I'm stuck into what I see around me, God, I'm about to graduate. God, I'm, 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 ready, I'm about to go into ministry. God, I, I've developed this relationship with her for four and a half years. God says, no, I want you, I want you to end it. Let me tell you, these, these nine months, not, not prideful at all, because it's all the Lord's work. How can, I, how can I take pride for God's work in my life, right? How can I take pride in that? If you, if you, think, of, if you think of stepping of faith as something that's really wonderful, you're going to think, oh, yeah, he's prideful because he's stepping out of faith. No, stepping out of faith is not an extraordinary thing that I do. I beseech you, therefore, by brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. It's, it's just what is supposed to happen. You're not, you're not extraordinary when you take a step of faith. But how, how deep are we into sin? How destitute are we to just follow ourselves, to follow our sin, to follow what pleases us? I had to take a step of faith. And do you know what God did in these nine months? He changed my life. I've been, I've been in college for four years. And this, this one, this nine months alone, all glory to God, I feel like, I, I, just, I just think that God, I've learned more and I've, I've grown closer to God more than I have in the four years before. All it takes is a little step of faith. Why are you holding on to what is setting you back? Let the Spirit work in your heart. David said that I delight in the law of the Lord. Why? Because he wants to be closer to God. See, God's light is going to be shining on your heart. It's shining on your heart right now. It's shining on your heart. Hey, I want you to change this in your life. I want you to let go of what is holding you back from fellowshipping with me. And because we want to stay in our comfortable place, because we want to stay where we, are, we, just, we think we're at peace, we won't change. If you want to have peace in this world, if you want to have peace when everything else is going wrong around you, don't depend on what's around you. Depend on God. Let's do these verses again. I love, I love 2 Corinthians 4. Let's do 17 and 18. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but things which are not seen are eternal. If I can have you guys bow your heads and close your eyes. Is there something right now that the Spirit is telling you? Let go of this. Let go of this and hold on to me. God won't be able to change your life until 
you bring those things, you bring your dependence on him. I pray, Lord, you might bless tonight, dear God, whereas we go into this Christmas season, I think of, Lord Jesus, you were called the Prince of Peace. And Lord, we know that there's no peace in this world. We know, Lord, that peace comes from Christ and Christ alone. And I pray, Lord, you might bless as we, Lord, uh, settle in with peace. And we'll thank you for it. Lord, bless in these moments of reflection and invitation, I pray and I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and let's sing for